Welcome to Bell Jax's Eye, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. It's a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 3, Episode 13, The Zippo. We're going to be talking about plot. We're talking about characters. We're going to be talking about TV tropes. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, uh, comics, and possibly other TV shows and movies. We know that you really had your heart set on baking a cake, but if you listen all the way through to the end of this episode, we promise we'll save you a jelly donut. Hello, we're back again. Me, my name is Kelly. Here also, Stacia. Stacia, say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. Hello. And I'm so excited to be talking about the Zeppo with with you guys. Me too. Right? Stacia's favorite episode? Yes. Famously. Famously. (laughs) (laughs) Originally aired January 26, 1999. Written by Dan Weber, one of only two. He also wrote Lover's Walk. Uh, As I mentioned the last time, during Lover's Walk, he also wrote for American Dad, Daria, and Futurama. And I think that Xander is definitely Fry. I think that there, there are a lot of similarities there, just like the hapless idiot character that Dev, Dan Weber fit right in um, to, to write perfectly for him. So it's a bummer that he doesn't show up again, because I think he did a great job. Um, directed by James Whitmore Jr. This is also the last episode he'll ever do of the series, Last of Five. He uh, started with I Only Have Eyes for You, Dead Man's Party, Beauty and the Beast, Gingerbread. Uh, and he also directs one Angel, uh, one episode of Angel called Reprise. So. That's a good batting average. Yeah. No, all of his were really solid. Yeah. I mean, Dan Weber should really could have done a lot of cool stuff with, with Xander specifically just because he seems to have a, a knack for it. But I don't know. Yeah. So what happened in this episode? I mean, that's a great question in an episode where arguably the a plot which is our normal story of the monster of the week where it only has maybe two and a half minutes of screen time we get about as much information and uh, backstory as we do in a full 45 minute episode so there's uh <laughs> these i mean fucking true <laughs> wow. that's, that's a burn <laughs> You're just a big bucket of funny, Will. Uh, this demoness group called the Sisters of Jay are here to reopen the Hellmouth. And uh, we assume they were not successful because we do see our heroes at the very end of the episode banged up. But uh, world's still there. Hellmouth not open. Uh, in the interim, Xander has his own solo adventure. He's hanging out with the school bully, Jack O'Toole, uh, and his dead friends brought back to life by Granddad's Mojo. And they have a, a short li- friendship where they're driven around in <laughs> Xander's gigantic fucking car he got from good old Uncle Rory. Uh, but it quickly turns sour when it turns out they're a little more hardcore than Xander's willing to be. Uh, they decide, they being Jack O'Toole and friends, to bake a cake. There goes the wheels. Took all the stuff, man. I want to bake a cake. It's all right. We'll get more. The night is young made out of supplies from the hardware store that takes Xander way too long to figure out is actually a bomb. Uh, Xander tries to pursue them, but not before being caught up with Faith in a... Caught, caught up with Faith. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say, not before getting up with Faith. Isn't that oh, how he puts it? Yeah. Oh. He did put it that way. Twice. He said is that uh, The only way you put it? Okay. <laughs> uh, but is able to get back to the school in time to defuse the bomb. Well, threaten Jack until he defuses the bomb. Um, every he just pulled some cords. I mean, really, just one cord, really. Yeah. And then uh, he catches up with Buffy and crew talking about their heroic exploits of the day before, and doesn't actually let them know that he had his own little adventure and saved the day in his own way. So 
it's a it's a great unique episode um, for a lot of reasons that we're going to talk about. But um, before we get into that, a couple of first thing, first time, a couple first time things. Uh, this is the first time Oz is held outside of the book cage since that's been introduced because he's always in there in the library. But they move him to the basement because obviously bad shit's about to go down in the book cage, and the last thing you need is a werewolf also possibly attacking you. True. Uh, first time for Xander losing the V card, so he mm. is the the oh. third one of the Scoobies officially. Because Cordelia, it's alluded to in season two before they start dating that she is not a virgin. And obviously Angel and Buffy do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, if a friend kicked a gear shift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That is what that was. Good job. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Nicholas Brendan cried when he read the script for this episode because he was really, quote, delighted with what it meant for his character. Or delighted and was happy about what it meant for his character because the script itself was good, I guess. Joss said that the Zeppo was the basis for him writing slash creating Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So the whole premise of that show is what goes on in the background while these superheroes are destroying parts of cities and stuff to save the world. So, I mean, it's one giant, the Zeppo, if you take it, that our main superheroes of the Marvel Universe are Buffy and the Scoobies, uh, and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be Xander. Oh, this episode was nominated for an Emmy. Uh, Outstanding makeup in the series. Which is pretty cool. Um, the the show gets nominated. I should probably keep better track of that. I don't know if it's been nominated before now, but uh, we'll definitely get some nominations for Hush and the the Body upcoming. Yeah. So, uh, I would let's just get a general feel. Let's just do a little temperature gauge. How to how does everybody feel about this episode, Stacia? <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. <laughs> Should have learned by now. If you're gonna play with fire, you gotta expect sooner or later. I wasn't finished. Note to self, let's talk. So I don't love this episode. <laughs> I don't hate this episode in the same way that I hate the pack and bothered, bewitched, and bewildered, like the other Xander-centric episodes. Uh, but I don't find it fun. I think the framing device they use of like taking like a lesser character who's not as important to the story, who isn't Buffy, the main character, and like showing the show through his eyes is interesting. I just wish it had been Willow. Hmm. <laughs> So, <laughs> I think I, that's probably people's first reaction watching. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, I think so. <laughs> but but I think the whole point being made that like you're the useless one. You are right because um, they're a witch, werewolf, slayer. Mm-hmm. What are you? You're nothing. So I guess it, it wouldn't hit on the same like emotional levels as Willow. But I mean, I can see that too, just seeing what Willow's doing. But I think that Willow is so enmeshed with Buffy that it's kind of like we kind of do watch Willow in a way through Buffy. I mean, I she certainly has her own episodes. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, like, what would she be doing now? Yep. I mean, She'd we also have moments where they, you know, have their falling outs, where Willow's yeah. doing her own thing, you know. Buffy True. went to L.A. or whatever, and Willow was like, I've been doing big stuff. <laughs> yeah. In a perfect world, that would be cool to see. Yeah, even just them getting along. Yeah. But since the main three of this is, like, commentary on how Xander is is useless, has what purpose does he yeah. serve, I, I don't, Willow can't fill that role. Just by the nature of she is useful. She's a well, witch. not for she's... this specific storyline, right. but you could have made a show, an episode that Man, showed show. you the Willow. world from Willow's perspective. Yeah. Because I think that's what this episode does foremost is like you get a commentary on the other characters from the way Xander sees them, mm. which is what makes it an interesting episode. Yeah. Whereas it's just another Buffy episode. What do you think about the episode, Daniel? 
I thought the episode was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that Xander being the, the, the person there is interesting. Uh, it, it automatically works. I guess if you believe that the, that all the writers thought that Xander is the eyes that we're supposed to be seeing a lot of this mm-hmm. on, if we take that on face value, then it's like, okay, Xander's an important character. I was shocked by how much screen time he actually gets. I mean, he was on the screen for like 70% of the show, mm-hmm. which I think if you don't like Xander, that can be like a big turnoff. Like, goddamn, too much Xander. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like Buffy numbers. Like Buffy, even when we see other characters, Buffy's still on the show like 70% of every episode. Mm-hmm. So I found that pretty cool. And I think it's interesting just because it's a main character. A lot of the shows that get compared to this that we'll talk about later, are they're just bit people in the world. It's like right. if we just picked the mailman and we did an episode on the mailman. But to do your one of your main characters and basically just call them useless and unimportant, and truly they are. It's like the whole thing, in the end, his unimportance is the whole point. Like he He's extraordinary in his own little way. He had his own little adventure. But in the end, he's still... What is he? I mean, I think that's a good question. At the end of the Zeppo, what is that smirk about? What does he feel about himself? Because we're going to get another hard reset. We're not really going to see all of this through. He's not going to become a different person. So I think it's kind of interesting because we can put our own, you know, teenage emotions into it, I guess, because we've all felt that way. Like, how do we identify how we see our friends? And like, we always assume our friends are like, they know everything. They've got their whole lives figured out. But I don't. I don't fit. But they might be thinking of you the same way, and you yeah. look for some sort of identity. And I think Xander, it's it's cool too. I like the just a. I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but I really liked how they how they framed the whole thing at the beginning because it really what we haven't seen Xander and Cordelia in a while. Yeah. They've actually been very minor characters the last couple of episodes, and it was really cool to have them both come out, them both be a part of it right away. And so just establishing that we were going to get an episode, even just between the two of them, before we figured out what this episode was going to be. It was really cool because it's just been a while since we saw him. It must be really hard when all your friends have like superpowers, slayer, werewolf, witches, vampires, and you're like this little nothing. You must feel like Jimmy Olsen. I was just talking to, hey, mind your own business. Oh, I struck a nerve. The boy that had no cool. I happen to be an integral part of that group. I happen to have a lot to offer. Oh, please. I do. Integral part of the group? Xander? You're the the useless part of the group. You're the Zeppo. Cool. Look it up. It's something that a subliterate that's repeated 12th grade three times has, and you don't. There was no part of that that wasn't fun. I think it's Cordelia's dressing down that really inspires his whole episode arc, because he doesn't strike me as a super inconfident, unconfident person. Was that not somebody who was necessarily having in the midst of an identity crisis prior to that moment? But she really reads him inaccurately and it makes him spiral out. And the next time we see him, he's talking to Oz about like, who the fuck, who's cool? How do I be cool? I don't know anything. And I think before that, he was probably okay with like, I get it, I'm kind of the fuck up, but I don't really think about it too much. And she really made him, oh God, what am I doing? And I think the, the very last him smirking and walking away was like, just confidence of nothing else like yeah. i just faced down this asshole's about to blow up the school and i didn't even gloat about it like i'm all right now i'm like okay with the person i am and he doesn't really have that crisis of identity i feel like in a big way i mean he he's he's listless he doesn't know like what kind of job he's going to get in the next season especially while his friends are going to college but he doesn't really seem to need that approval or like I, I don't know where i stand in in the school in my friend group it like he seems to be okay after this yeah it's just that it's bugging me this cool thing i mean what is it how do you get it who doesn't have it and who decides who doesn't have it what is the essence of cool 
Yeah, what I found really interesting was I think some like the construction of the episode was really cool. I enjoyed right off the bat we had like this blurry screen we had this blurriness between uh between giles dramatic angles with like faith and everybody mm-hmm. they're all fighting in this thing and obviously we find out later that he's you know underneath has been beaten down and all of this and he kind of comes up and we don't really see that a lot you know xander being completely demolished in the specific direction the zooming in on each one of the characters was interesting i think they're making the point of xander's not here yeah and 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 it all makes sense in the course of the whole show what they were doing because they were already doing those heightened angles and everything that they were doing in the other half of the episode the b story that Mm -hmm. should be the a story if it was a different world the inverse story they were already doing it right from the get-go, but we didn't know yet because we hadn't started Xander's story yet. So, like, we're watching all of this, and even that feels very different. Everyone's talking a little bit differently. Yeah. Everyone's sort of... Like, even Willow coming out and just like, oh, I brought the marshmallows. Sometimes I'm callous and... Like, it's just really <laughs> fun. Occasionally I'm callous and strange. Exactly. Well, and, and we didn't realize at the time, but, like, the language of the show is really interesting. What I find the most interesting about this episode is how people read it wrong. People get very confused and say they hate this episode because they're very concerned about why this made it to air because it's not about Buffy. It's not about the Slayers. Why are we watching Xander ride around in a car? Um, I can't tell you how many, how many reviews I've read online that are just like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't give a fuck about Xander. Uh, this monster seems awesome. Why aren't we looking at the monster? Yeah. Why does it keep cutting away right when it starts getting good? And it's like, ah, you're misreading it. Oh my god, that's the whole fucking point. Is like we just start, and and I think that the if you don't have the right language, or if you don't watch enough TV, or if you're young, you don't know really what's going on. But the, the natural transitions are so good. So I just kept a note of them because I thought they were amazing. Uh, so Xander asks. Xander asking what he can do and it, and it cutting him to him getting the donuts. Oh yeah, was really great. Uh, for the evil that Buffy cannot handle is priceless. Yeah. So uh, and then there's Cordelia saying nobody cares about your and then the girl shows up immediately after that. Uh, Xander gets into the fender bender and he comes out. It's not the end of the world. Yes. Boom. And then it is Jack O'Toole, our bad guy. Uh, Willie telling him telling Buffy after he's been vandalized, you should go find Angel and f- go somewhere quiet. Figure out what to do on your last night you're going to spend together on Earth. And then it cuts to Bob in the back yelling, let's get bare. <laughs> uh, the porn music fades from uh, Oh, God, Faith's that's so rough. Horrible. Uh, don't forget, hold me. Are you up for it? Yeah. Oh, I'm up. Uh, and the generic shot of the two lovers in bed. You mm-hmm. know, oh, we just had a great time. And then boom, Jump hard cut. cut. That was great. That Bye. Was great. Goodbye. <laughs> um, Xander, very funny when he was like, I need to think. I can't believe I just had sex. I don't know what to do. Buffy will know what to do. <laughs> Cut to Buffy and Angel. I don't know what to do. Probably loaded with supplies. Gotta think. I can't believe I had sex. Okay, bombs. Already dead guys with bombs. Oh man, I'm out of my league. Buffy will know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, let me decide for you. I can face this thing. Uh, Xander being chased through the school with a bomb. Uh, and he, he says, where's the Slayer when you need him? Cut to everyone fighting in the library. Buffy being thrown out of the library. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit later, but yeah. this was just them fighting when he was being chased. Uh, and then the showdown with Jack O'Toole. Uh, Jack asks if Xander's afraid to die. Xander, of course, famously. So I guess the question really is, who has less fear? I'm not afraid to die. I'm already dead. Yeah, but this is different. Being blowed up isn't walking around and drinking with your buddies dead. It's little bits being swept up by a janitor dead, and I don't think you're ready for that. 
Are you? I like the quiet. Cut to the Slayer Rats all fighting the Hellmouth demon, and the music is swelling, mm-hmm. and then we get the quiet back, which I thought was amazing. And it's like all of those little things, especially with the musical cues, especially in that last one where it goes from quiet to loud. If you don't think that that's like making fun of the story, especially the angel scene with Angel and Buffy, oh, yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to explain that to somebody who hasn't maybe watched enough TV or like is genuinely perplexed as to like what's happening. You might not like what's happening, but I think they do. They go above and beyond to show you. I mean, I don't know how you can watch this and not know it's parody. I don't think it's the show making a commentary on itself. I think it's the show saying this is Xander's world and this is how he views Angel and Buffy as melodramatic. That's why it's so melodramatic. Not that the show is like, ha look at this ridiculous relationship. So you think it's more like a step further. It's more how Xander would view that scene. Yes. Xander's looking at this going, wow, they're like overkill. I can't handle this right now. And because you see other moments where it's like, um, with Xander and Willow and she's like I love you like would she really do that like that's Xander sure. like thinking this is the relationship I have with Willow this is the relationship Buffy and Angel have together it's always melodramatic and torn and like I don't have the like perspective to realize they think this is the end of the world and they're both going to die I'm just like building a cake <laughs> or whatever and it's like of course it's melodramatic to him so I think a lot of what the show is is Xander seeing his world around him and like reacting to it so we're not having the show say yeah how ridiculous is their relationship it's xander going like oh god i hate them together and i guess that's a tightrope too because that's true like on a on a watching level it's i think you're right like it's definitely how xander is seeing sort of things but it's obviously written by people who also write buffy well, and yes. have done it so it's like but it's doing all those things at once but it's where not it's, like you're having a character like actually specifically because i feel like we have other shows where they'll like break the fourth wall and like that's say something point. that's yes. specifically meant to speak to the audience and how you're like experiencing the mm-hmm. show whereas i think like that moment with buffy and angel it's like you're seeing it and it is overly melodramatic and you're like they are always like this but it's because you're agreeing with xander's perspective of it like oh here we go again but it's not the sure. show like haha like look at us <laughs> no that's a good point yeah. they don't they don't do wink wink nod nods in yeah. that sense yeah. but but i think but obviously i guess that was all framed wrong because i think the writers know that they're doing that mm-hmm. but yeah, it's but it doesn't take you out. I think the show would take you out if it was purposefully comedic. As if like if Xander had an inner running mar- monologue that was narrating the whole way he's seeing it. That's a, yeah. Or like some kind of weird objective side by side, not a literal side by side, but like here's the scene of Buffy and Angel what they're literally saying and what Xander is hearing them say. Well, I think that would be just, a whole other level. Yeah, this points yeah. to the yeah, it's a complex episode. You can see it in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think I think just misunderstanding from the beginning why, just even mm-hmm. why it's happening, that's what I found the why. Because it's never an argument about this. Yeah. It's more of an argument about why am I not seeing Buffy? Right, yeah. Where is Buffy? Yeah. Uh, and, I, and that's fine if you want Buffy, but there has to be other things happening, my friends. Yeah. Uh, so I but found that. I think... I mean, I've seen like other shows, and I can't remember where specifically. Oh, I was watching... Um, Haven, which is a show about a town where weird things happen. People have troubles, which are like weird maladies that cause like external things to happen. Like maybe make people turn invisible accidentally or whatever. Starring Eric Balfour. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) From Buffy fame. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) 
Amazing. Uh, anyways, but they will straight up, after one of these incidents happen and they fix it, the newspaper guys will be like, so how are we going to explain this? Another gas leak? Like, they'll just, like, say, you know, like, call out, like, the tropes that you see. And yeah. I feel like Buffy, like, in this episode, it's not taking it that far. Yeah. Where it's, like, point. specifically speaking to the audience of, like, well, how do you even deal Which with this? Which I think is better because they never okay. go there in the no. show. Yeah. The only time they ever get close is, like, where it's, like, must be Tuesday. But even that's so right. innocuous and, like, would be something a person could conceivably say in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like this better, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's why it's a good argument that, like, you're seeing it from Xander's perspective. Perspective, where I think in a lot of episodes you could argue it's from Buffy's perspective like you're seeing sure. her world and her view of how things are happening and then in this one we get like a peek of how Xander is experiencing I just never thought about anything like that like we would be seeing uh, we would be observing as watchers a scene of a subjective nature from the viewpoint of a character versus everything just being objective and face value yeah. that's yeah. an interesting concept I don't want to watch TV like that. I just made my brain hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, all the levels. That's that's yeah. uh, that's good stuff. I mean, that's and and I mean, it's it's the other half of the show that is also really interesting. I mean, we were talking before about. I mean, you mentioned it already. This episode has more lore than fifty percent of the episodes that we saw, <laughs> and it was only five seconds <laughs> yeah, of snippets. Yeah. I mean, the sisterhood. We learned that they could devour their. They're uh, a warrior class of uh, female demons. That, Another apocalypse that, cult. Yeah. yeah, devour their victims after as a celebration after uh, their fights, and they they aim to open the hellmouth and like, holy shit, who was the guy we were fighting last fucking week? Oh, the gingerbread guy, right? Yeah. Oh, well, helpless was last week. Yeah. Uh, excuse yeah, me, we know all about Hansel. And Gretel. <laughs> yeah, the gingerbread guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Hans and Gretel, but they turn into the into the monster. Is the monster called something, or is it no? Just the, it's Hans no, Gretel. No, yeah, known as known as the Hansel. I think I said they had the Hansel and Gretel Strauss demon. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> wow, uh, yeah. So when I was when I was thinking about all of that, all the lore and stuff, I think that um, I guess it's funny. Cause I like you bringing up the Xander thing because I was always thinking about it as like the people writing the show, right? Yeah, like what, how they were constructing it. Because I was thinking that they probably see some of the the, the criticism on the Zeppo, and they're like, we were kind of commenting on people's you know wanting more lore. They want serious um, actors and serious things. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they got a lot of that too. Why is it so campy? We wanted a little more serious. We wanted a little more procedural. We want this, we want that. Especially at TV at that time, it's important to remember what it was like. So I'm sure when they're doing a 22 episode season and they're working live, you know, in the moment, I'm sure a lot of that is is butting up, but I I kept thinking to kind of to go back to the the, the jump cuts. It, the the humor in this was really funny and I think it's a lot different than some of the other episodes because for every Buffy, this is no laughing matter. We get, I brought marshmallows. Occasionally, I'm callous and strange. <laughs> yeah. For every, all that we knew, the fate of the entire world rests on it. There was a, the shaking is a side effect of the fear. <laughs> and for every, if I were you, I'd go find Angel and go find somewhere quiet to, to spend the last night on Earth. You get a, did you eat the jellies? I always have a jelly. <laughs> I'm always the one who says, let's have a jelly in the mix. <laughs> let's have a jelly in the mix. So good. And I was like, how could he not? He's British. Of course he wants the one with jelly. Oh, shots fired at British Buffy three. <laughs> Apricot jelly donut. Apricot jam. Where are you going? Um, try and contact the spirit guides. They exist out of time. I have knowledge of the future. I have no idea if they'll respond to my efforts, but I have to try. All we know is that the fate of the entire world rests on it. Did you eat all the jellies? Did you want a jelly? I always have a jelly. I'm always the one that says, let's have a jelly in the mix. We're sorry. 
Buffy had three. But but to that go from but that's what I mean. Like wh- what kind of tone are we setting in this <laughs> alternate world for every? There's something different about this. There's something different in the air. A stench of death. You get Giles. I don't need to see the math. <laughs> Which was also one of my favorite because <laughs> it's so dramatic. It's like so dramatic. and then for every. I don't know how you managed. It was the bravest thing I've ever seen. Stupidest. But the world continues to turn. You get, you know, it's not like I haven't helped before. I've done some quality <laughs> violence for these people. <laughs> that, I don't think any other episode of this show has that many, like, tilting, and weird... Because you save the drama for Prophecy Girl. You save the drama for the big, scary, sad reveals. I mean, we get something like that in Helpless. Well, no, um... I meant, no, helpless. When she's like, I'm going to kill you. Don't touch me. Oh, yeah, You're yeah, a liar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it's like one good concentrated scene. But this one just was flying all over the place, yeah. which I found hilarious. Which is why editing-wise, the jump cuts were the perfect way to get that established. Because yeah. not only do you have the the one punch of physically like cutting the scene from the next to the one, but then the music cues, like you mentioned, like to really hammer it home. Like, this is a diff- completely different thing that we've just experienced. Because you go from tense strings to angel to... Every time Sandra's on the screen, fucking fantastic. Well, I would just, I mean, instead of like going through the whole episode, I would just say, watch the scene with Angel and Buffy. I think it's one of my favorite scenes of the entire show. I love you. Nothing can change that. Not even death. Don't talk to me like that. You may be ready to go, but I am not ready to lose you. Okay, this is my fight. And if you won't do it my way, then you're. Hey. I've got this, um, there's this, uh, this is probably a bad time. Can I help? Okay. And and it's true. It's like the melodrama through, I never really thought about it through Xander's eyes because I just, mm-hmm. but I love that. I love that even more. Like walking in, it's like that crackling fire and they're just so dramatic. Mm-hmm. What is it? I can't watch you die again. <laughs> I love you. Nothing can change that. Not even death. Don't talk like that. <laughs> and then just, I just like, I watched it probably three or four times, you know, because I just lo- love the camera panning over to the door as Xander's just like, ah, hey. <laughs> I've got, I've got a problem. And his face is so good. He's so out of place and awkward. And they don't even acknowledge him. They don't even say a word. And then he's about to leave and he comes back and he's like, can I help? And Buffy just like shakes his head, her head no. And then the camera just goes back over and Angel's got tears in his eyes. The The light literally comes back on as, as if it's like a fake fire. You know, the fire light is back on them after draining at when the turn. And then it's like firelight comes back on and they're back to being the Same sad. squinty, teary face. And then at the end when Oz is like, do you think Angel will be okay? And Buffy says, he was only out for a few minutes. The longest few minutes of my life. This also, like, taking this as part of the inner universe, we're still, all of our friends are still living their lives and stuff. Angel and Buffy already being at that level again after, like, they're like, I don't know. It feels so weird that they would be all over each other again already. I don't know. Does anybody else feel like that? No. That they, Unfortunately, no. I fucking hate their relationship so much. Well, because I think there was a lot of stuff that was, like, implied and unspoken. And I think it's... Like, the reason why that scene feels so melodramatic when you're watching it is because you don't have the context, right? Like, you aren't following Buffy's story. You're just seeing a glimpse of it. So you weren't there for, like, the buildup of, like, oh, my God. 
apocalypse is coming and I can't handle this. How do yeah, how do true. we handle this? What do we do? And you know, that's when you have that like I can't lose you again. <laughs> thing you yeah. know but like xander's like i don't know what's happening here this is too much for me i have to go make a cake like i'm gonna <laughs> no. i'm out i've got the zombie thing to deal with well yeah he Whatever. like literally walks out and then like yeah. walks up a couple steps up up the steps and then the music and then yeah. he's just like hmm, maybe giles don't know what to do like he just <laughs> yeah. doesn't fuck it i don't care yeah about he's that. like whatever it doesn't matter i'm glad you like, said that maybe that's what i'm feeling is yeah. less about their like where their relationship is and more like how did we get to this scene like this is yeah. a lot well and this yeah. is also this is but that's a great point right there because that is it goes from the writing to the Xander part because if Xander walked in on that scene that scene might not have played out like that if we're watching it from Xander's right. point of view and it's and it is kind of a warped sensibility of like what he sees like that dialogue if this was a real event it might not even be the dialogue but mm-hmm. that's kind of like what right. he's seeing mm-hmm. and the vibe that he's getting so maybe none of that really happened. You know, maybe they're yeah. not as far along as you think. Again, if I have to watch every TV show with this knowledge in my head going <laughs> forward, I don't know if I can deal. Because that's like so many layers to think about at once. Like, is this scene objectively happening? Or is it just the perspective of the character? I mean, or the perspective in? of the author. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I think you get that a lot in books more so maybe than oh, in TV oh, yeah. shows where you have like unreliable narrators mm-hmm. where like, are you telling me what's true? Or are you telling me the whole, tr- whole truth? And I think that in this episode, at least on Buffy, you get a really good sense of like, you're seeing this through Xander perspective of yeah. like this is the most unreliable yeah this is this is the biggest deal that could ever happen like this mm. bomb thing i have to deal with it like yeah. i don't have time for your drama buffy like who cares about you and angel right now like it's whatever true. and so it's like you get the sense of what they're going through but maybe not like the actual reality and it could all just be made up i mean at the end of the yeah. day if you just said if they just went off on patrol and xander concocted this whole thing in his mind I wouldn't have been shocked. I mean, they didn't go that route, but it does leave it open because what the fuck? A bomb scare and like what? All of this stuff seems so fanciful. That would be a dark, sad episode if at the end it was just like Xander alone in his room the whole time. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. So we have to assume it was real. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, Jack O'Toole never existed and then he still doesn't exist. The (laughs) dead boys never existed really and they're all still dead. Well, Cordelia confirmed the existence of Jack O'Toole, so. But Cordelia's just a kind of. Is Cordelia? Real? Is she already a cor- incorporeal being? Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> so that got me thinking with the construction and with the other half of the show. Those are kind of fun things to talk about. But why is this so memorable? Like why why is this some people say that this is the best episode of Buffy. Some people put this at the bottom of their list. I've seen lists where that's the case. And I, I think that's what makes Buffy great. The highs are high, the lows are low, and you can really look at an episode like this and if you don't like Xander, it's almost a, an immediate out, you know, if you if you didn't want to engage with it or whatever. But why is it so memorable? And why does it have so much cachet? It's, it's interesting. I think it's hard to peg. This episode is really amorphous when you try to split hairs and put it in a category. It's because, okay, we're doing a couple things, right? We're supplanting what should be the A plot and the B plot, right? We're, we're changing those over. But we're also taking you can't call Xander a minor character because there have been plenty of TV shows that have done one-shot episodes where it's like, we're going to take people we've never seen before and we'll never see again and just do a fun little aside. We're just going to take a break because 22 episodes is a lot of fucking episodes to do. So why don't we give everybody a break and we'll just do a little micro story. We'll, we'll uh, save some money. We'll sign our actors up for 18 episodes and exactly. we'll make four with the minor. But as we mentioned before, Xander is not that person. He's in 143 of 144 episodes. The dude is integral to the, the story. He's a part of the Scoobies. So... You can't really call this one of those, right? It's not a one-shot. It's not like a episode that means nothing and doesn't contain any of the normal characters. Um, but it's also kind of that. I mean... 
Sure. I mean, Xander might be a main character, but the other characters he's dealing with are all new characters we never see again. That is true. That is true. Yeah. That have no bearing going forward. Or Maybe he didn't exist. Morning, That's morning, what so. Is this a penis metaphor? So, but <laughs> maybe he didn't exist. And then the name, the Zeppo, comes from the Zeppo Marx, one of the, the least liked and least influential Marx brother who was in the first couple of their movies, but then... <clears throat> Let me just say, I had to Google this. She's saying, like, it's obvious. <laughs> oh, I, definitely not. Well, no, no, it's not obvious, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't mean to give that vibe, but I mean to give more of, like... Well, we're subliterate people, You were like, well, obviously, <laughs> the Zeppo is named after Zeppo Marx, the fifth and least interesting I mean, where the fuck the did Cordelia brothers? pull that reference from? They were film stars in the 20s? Yeah. And she's like, this yeah. is current pop culture. Yeah, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what makes Cordelia. Look like the great. 20s through the 50s. And yeah. they're inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1977. Oh, Holy whoa. shit. I did some research. How very serial killer of you. So you're saying Cordelia has every right to invoke the <laughs> Zeppo Marx. I think Groucho yeah, I'm, well, said... I'm saying 21 years later. <laughs> right. But even Groucho, I think, was like, when they were talking about like having all... That's why they went to the three brothers. Because they wanted to save some money. And they're just like, kick fucking Zeppo out. Like, that's not <laughs> yeah. funny at all. Like, damn, that's that's me. Named himself after a lighter. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's a fucking great but read there on other, Xander. There, there was even like least lesser famous brothers of the Marx brothers. There was like the three. And then there was Zeppo. And then there was Gummo. Oh, God, yeah. Gummo. Who was, was like, I don't know. There's the man of Groucho Harpo and the Harpo. other one. <laughs> yeah. There's five. But, but do they live on? Some of them. Groucho will always. For sure, yeah. But like, Gummo ain't got nothing going on for him. That's true. She could have said Zeppo Zeppo, the Gummo. Zeppo Marx is in Duck Soup, which is famous. Sure. I mean, I have heard that before. The name of that movie. Have I seen it? No. As chairwoman of the reception committee, I welcome you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? I've sponsored your appointment. Because I feel you are the most able statesman in all Fredonia. Well, that covers a lot of ground. Say, you cover a lot of ground yourself. You better beat it. I hear they're going to tear you down and put up an office building where you're standing. You can leave in a taxi. If you can't get a taxi, you can leave in a huff. If that's too soon, you can leave in a minute and a huff. You know you haven't stopped talking since I came here? You must have been vaccinated with a phonograph needle. The future of Fredonia rests on you. Promise me you'll follow in the footsteps of my husband. How do you like that? I haven't been on the job five minutes and already she's making advances to me. Not that I care, but where is your husband? Why, he's dead. I'll bet he's just using that as an excuse. I was with him till the very end. <laughs> no wonder he passed away. I held him in my arms and kissed him. Oh, I see. Then it was murder. Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first. He left me his entire fortune. Is that so? Can't you see what I'm trying to tell you? I love you. Oh, your excellency. You're not so bad yourself. So Den of Geek, which is a website that reviews geeky stuff, did a whole list saluting Zeppo episodes. And they even called it Zeppo episodes, which is interesting because they, Buffy was not the first to do it. Uh, in fact, the first like example of this idea of taking a character that has no bearing on the greater story uh, and using that to tell a new story was a playwright. Um, his name was Tom Stoppard. And in 1966, he wrote the play... Rosencrantz and Guildenstein yeah. are dead. Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which actually takes place during Hamlet. So it's just like yeah. two randos that don't really know what's happening. Well, they're in Hamlet. They're, yeah. They're just a minor they're character. They're two characters right. have like Hamlet. one line yeah. and then they get a whole play. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the first like big recognized example of this idea of taking somebody in the background and making a story about them. Because why not? Really, ask yourself. If I was to ask you straight out, I'm going to stuff you in this box now. Would you rather be alive or dead? Naturally, you'd prefer to be alive. Well, because life in a box is better than no life at all, I expect. You'd have a chance, at least. You could lie there thinking, well, at least I'm not dead. 
Any minute, someone's gonna bang on the lid and tell me to come out. Oh, you, what's your name? Come out of there! You don't have to flog it to death. <laughs> I wouldn't think about it if I were you. You only get depressed. Eternity is a terrible thought. <laughs> I mean, where's it going to end? Uh, and I, the concept of, of doing this is great to flesh out a universe. I mean, it's really cool like to take a person who they exist in the world. It makes it feel bigger. Like there are people living their lives that aren't just what we see on screen. And I mean, that's the whole idea of fan fiction right there is like really building out these things like, you know, a day in the life kind of thing. It's it's a cool idea. So the first time it happened on TV really, uh, is Star Trek The Next Generation in 1994, an episode called Lower Decks, season seven, episode five, which was in February of 1994. Uh, it, so it focuses on a group of like really young uh, officers in the whatever fleet they're called, UNSC, whatever. I don't watch Star Trek. I've watched some TNG. Anyway, uh, but they do interact with the characters, the main characters like Riker and Picard, and they, they do... Um, are just they like, in other episodes after? No, they're okay, not. So see? that's important. See, that's why it's different. So they, they aren't seen before this. I think one of them is mentioned before. Okay. But other than that, you never see them after either. So they do catch, like, with the Zeppo they have in common that they do interact with the main characters, but they do not have the fact that any of them go on to be anything else. Right. Uh, what's really cool about this, I think, is because Star Trek is the reason we have the red shirt trope, right? Where they would just have random people die off in the middle of that episode because they didn't, no one cared. And in this episode, these are essentially red shirt hmm. characters, and one of them does die, and it's huge, and it's awful, and it's like, holy shit, we never oh, think good. about these people. That's good. And like, to really juxtapose that with, you know, Riker just walking by and nobody really caring, it's like, wow, that's that's really fucking cool. What a great moment in TV, especially since it hadn't really been done before. And definitely not in Star Trek. Trope, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that was super unique and definitely an inspiration to this, considering it, it came before. Uh, Babylon 5, a year prior to the Zeppo, A View from the Galley, uh, Gallery, Season 5, Episode 4, February 1998. It's the same kind of thing, focuses on two maintenance workers that do kind of interact, have many interactions that are contained uh, with the main cast, but they, they've never been seen before, never after, and they, they are the ones that foil an alien plot that no one else seems to be dealing with. So same thing as what Xander's yeah. doing, but not main characters by any stretch, true, true. not even recurring characters. So Dr. Who, I mentioned this before, um, that EP who cited this episode, Love and Monsters, season two, episode 10, that's a David Tennant one from 2006. Uh, this was the first Dr. Who, they call him Dr. Light or Companion Light. I guess Companion is the one that follows the doc. yeah. Dr. Who either. Um, that's, and they ended up doing that every season after this episode. They would do one episode where they're like almost barely in the show at all. But this was mo mostly for a production reason. So after the first new series of Doctor Who, this being the second one, um, they needed to still do 14 episodes, but they only had time to do 13. So they what they did is called... Um, double banking they essentially shot both episodes at the same time but one with the david Tennant doing the main story over here and then this guy who's just like in the in the story he's just a random person that becomes obsessed with the doctor so you'll see him in the background of shots and doing stuff but i was like that's fucking cool like to really split your time like that same thing he's never in the show again or, or before or after but they, well it's uh, been done on other shows what lost oh well yeah see so lost uh, critically oh lost oh it's been years. Wow. We don't keep up with our gags very well. We don't keep well. up with Lost now. 
Lost. I mean, Lost would be the same idea as that. They they implanted those characters for three or four or five episodes. They were in it awkwardly. They were in it. Yeah, Apollo and what's her Apollo name? and uh, I wrote it down, but I just like wrote one sentence. I was like, "Fuck this." Yeah. So Nikki and Apollo. Nikki and Apollo. Who can forget them? They showed up for a couple of episodes and scenes, and you're like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" They're clearly interlopers. They weren't, <laughs> but we're supposed to believe that they were on the plane when it went down and like. Mm-hmm. They just wanted jewels, and then they die by spider bite. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, does that count? Would that even count? In I your... see. This is in this list. Like again, this is the Den of Geeks list, and I don't think that these. That's why I'm saying I think the Zeppo is special because, especially for Lost, I don't think it counts even a little bit because Expose. Like not only do those those characters were they so unliked and not main characters, but like all Lost is kind of individual little stories i mean there's definitely a through line but a lot of times we focus an episode entirely on one or two characters every episode is a flashback flash forward, yeah flash so i don't think yeah. that that would be unique amongst the show itself no so we've had characters now that are non-characters but people a part of a ship a part of a world mm-hmm. that you look at we never see them again we've got main characters in the zeppo we've got fake main characters people that there's a little bit of continuity right so you're not like jarred out of it like oh my god this guy is obsessed with doctor who what is this all about? You know, it's kind of like a strange episode. Oh, he was actually in that episode before. Oh, my God. And Nikki and Paulo was so awkward, but they tried, mm-hmm. but it was terrible. The, there's only one show that I found, or at least on this list, or even look. It's so hard to look because I don't even fucking look this up, right? And if you're going by the criteria of simply we're following characters we've never met before for an entire episode, being a Zeppo episode. I mean, I just finished Forever, which is only eight episodes, but episode six uh, our main characters are Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph. And episode six, neither of them are in the whole thing. It's a story about these two other people, uh, Sarah and Andre. The whole thing is them. And like, does does that count? Would I call that a Zeppo episode? No, it's just an episode that has nothing to do with the main... I don't know, though. So what is a Zeppo episode? That's why it's tough. But I guess that's why you're having a problem finding other examples of it. Yes. Yeah, it would be yes. why. <laughs> yeah, that was real manly, how you shrieked and all. I think you'll find that was more of a bellow. I just think that this is... Such a funny fucking episode and so enjoyable to watch. And it it just, I think it's a great concept. I think it's just taking somebody that feels weak and powerless and making them, like, kind of forcing you to, to go along with their ride with them. I don't know. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, like, that's the whole thing, again. So I don't really count that either because that's the concept of the show. Because I think that these are supposed to be specific canned things where... You can't, like, if you do it every episode, then it's not a Zeppo episode because the show is just that. I don't know if that makes sense. This is my issue with this episode and Xander as a larger character is I think we're supposed to feel bad for Xander and we're supposed to identify with him. Like, oh, I'm the loser who doesn't know what I'm doing with my life and I just desperately want to know, like, what defines me? Like, am I a car guy or whatever? Like, you're supposed to sympathize with this character and you get... Of the few touching moments I think we see with Xander, one where he buys Cordelia the prom dress, but the other one is when he's with Dawn and he was like, they will never know how hard it is to be normal. Like, I think that's a really touching moment. But I also find it irritating because it's like, what have you ever done? <laughs> like, yeah. at the end of the day, what have you ever done? You've never tried to be anything better than what you are. True. Because yeah. guess what? Willow that. starts out as just a human. Yeah. And then she becomes a witch because she can. And not because that was her destiny, because she chose to be so. Giles is just a normal human. And he still makes himself useful. He's still a badass. And he's got all this knowledge. It's not that 
out of reach for Xander if Xander put in any kind of effort. Even Anya, who loses her demon status, is now a human and is more aware of what mortality means and what pain and torture and everything she's facing than possibly anyone else in their group. And she still does it and she is still useful. But then we get, oh, poor Xander. He's just the human. He's the only human in the bunch where it's like half of them are humans. It's just Xander's the only useless one who's never, ever, ever made himself useful in any way except for the fact that I guess he becomes a carpenter and can rebuild stuff. I mean, like, that's his only, like... That's true. Like, he kickstarted the plot in that one episode. Let's uh, and, I think, and I think that's why this episode, like, at its core bothers me because we get Xander and he feels justified and vindicated and he gave the cool speech. At least in his head it was a cool speech. Like, who knows what actually happened, but, like, he was really cool. Like, I like the quiet, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't need to be big and flash. I don't need to be having these melodramatic scenes like Buffy. Like, I don't need all of that attention i don't need to be the superhero in this situation like i'm fine it doesn't matter nothing matters i'm worthless go ahead and let the bomb go off <laughs> whatever yes. like who cares yes. and then he walks away at this end you get this end scene and you're supposed to feel good like yeah he did something and he also saved things and they'll never know you know like they're like oh yeah yeah no I one mean, will ever know what we did mm-hmm. and he's like you won't ever know what i did but i'm like you you haven't, like, improved yourself in any way. Like, this is, like, a standalone situation where it's, like, you haven't grown from this, though. You're never going to be this person again. Like, yeah. we don't see Xander then become useful to the group and start, like, learning karate moves or, like, I don't know, driving a car into demons or, like, yeah. whatever. Like, oh, yeah. be a car guy. It happened one time and you didn't do it the next time. Well, I think that's a great point. It's so I mean, irritating. Well, I mean, like I just said, he's, like, he never does change. I mean, knowing the whole arc of Xander does make this a tougher hang because in truth he really never does anything and i think you're right i think maybe it's it's weirder to 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 identify with that because you can be a human and be great Mm -hmm. and i think the everyman quality you gotta believe that they're writing it for that like i think you can still identify with xander but yeah i think lauding him in some ways is more dangerous even oz i know he's a werewolf but he's also a human 28 days out of the month and he's still a badass when he's a human and he's way smaller than xander like you don't I don't know the fact. I guess they that- talk. He's more. I guess the vulnerability <laughs> is probably it. They like Kazaz is too cool for school, and and a lot of them don't really talk about that stuff. I mean, I think I think in this episode alone, it's too impossible to talk about all that stuff because you could probably do entire you know contextual deconstructions of 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 masculinity and emotionality mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But it's impossible to talk about without zeroing in on very specific things. I gotta learn an instrument. Is it hard to play guitar? Not the way I play it. But I think that makes it interesting, I guess. I don't know. But those are the things that I noticed when I was watching it. It's just this externalness. And then he sort of internalizes it. But I always have seen him as just kind of... He doesn't identify with any of that stuff. He doesn't... He's not a hyper-masculine guy, obviously. And he's... I don't know. He's just kind of like there. But he certainly is influenced by that. I think that oh, yeah. he feels emasculated well, I mean, when he's still the, certainly swept up in the society's sexism at large. Yeah, like he's then that's inescapable if you are a man and then you are in your peer group of men who are being shitty also. It's Although like, it's a dead yeah. boys. I mean dead yeah. boys I mean they they are trash. I mean they're not great. Xander, let's roll. How long have I been down? Eight months I had to wait till the stars aligned. Oh eight months I got some catching up to do. Well Walker Texas Ranger. You been taping him? Ever yet. All right, we're gonna get the guys together. We're gonna party, man. It's gonna be a night to remember. And they were probably trash, obviously, outside of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Then they come right into being dead boys. But Xander doesn't really fall for that stuff. I mean, I, I think that's why a, a lot of people that, I mean, I identify with Xander like that because I've never been a hyper masculine, toss me the ball, Doug type yeah. of character, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. It's I, I find it, and the identity thing is really. 
Well, that's what, that's what draws me to it, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think it's easy to, for, like, why it's identifiable with him having such a, a crisis of, of personhood, like, is because you forget that this is a show about superheroes in that moment when you're seeing it through the lens of especially Zane. And, and when they're purposefully cutting away the majority mm-hmm. of all the, the fighting and stuff, it's like, you, you feel for him because he's having small human problems like we have and we don't have to to compare it with Buffy immediately because we're this that's the point of this episode we're taking it out right like yeah i i didn't know who the fuck i was i was like maybe i'm car guy i was like maybe i'm the whiskey and cigar guy no i wasn't wasn't that so like were you ever car guy no okay no but i like everybody's trying i mean i think yeah. that here if you want to see it is a hopeful nugget of just throwing shit to the wall and seeing what sticks and how that's part of life and growing up and being a person who or changes even it's the like world. a nostalgic like like you're saying i remember when i once thought i could be something else <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's what I, I wonder when i once thought i could be car guy <laughs> yeah i yeah, mean exactly. it, that makes it kind of sad right and, yeah. but i love it bring that on yeah I, I think there's definitely a melancholy to this episode that i think supports that can you say expendable you think you know everything I think I knew you. Because even like Faith, her decision to fuck Xander, I, that's, that is like, that's throwing all these variables of like this real life that I think Xander was looking for. And he very much got it. I mean, when he says, did you, did I tell you that I'm having a strange day today or whatever? Mm-hmm. I think that's like the summation of this whole thing. It's just what a weird thing life can be if you step out of your, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And kind of give yourself totally. over, say yes for once. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to meet the dead boys, but you're also going to have sex for the first time you're gonna have all these crazy experiences yeah i'll stay around the curves did i mention that i'm having a very strange night shower and unfortunately not in this buffy universe but in the real world sometimes there's actually ramifications for these things true but i think it's good to try new things yeah. and like if you really want to take it down to its simplest form that's what xander did all day and xander new stuff. doesn't do that any after this episode no, so. <laughs> and that is the lesson to learn as well don't be a xander well that was great I am going to be forever changed thinking about what characters are thinking about in their shows and if I'm whether or not I'm watching what the character is wanting me to see or if I'm actually seeing what the show is doing. Holy yeah. shit. I just think wow. I need to... Unreliable narrators have fucked with your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when shows explicitly do it, I get it. But yeah. like, I wasn't thinking that could be a possibility you literally watch a whole at the moment. Show at the end, it's like, ha ha, this is all just a lie. <laughs> this was just dreamed up in a writer's room. We're not real. <laughs> what? <laughs> So I think I need to yell my feelings out if everybody's up for it. Do you have anything to yell, Stacia? Uh, I did. Okay. I did like the moment because I watched that today. I caught a clip of it where Xander is dragging that zombie in the car. And he was like, uh, I, yes. I have one last thing to ask you. And then <laughs> accidentally pops the guy's hat off by hitting a mailbox. And he's like, ah, never mind. <laughs> could you? I was thinking the whole time. Could That would be so hard to do. Oh. That car was definitely swerving. Yeah. But the strength. Which we know, Xander, he's got it on. He can pull up women from just all, all the holes. All, all the sewers. Oh, wow. As long as they're only 90 pounds. Oh, my God. Oh, that's... Yeah. Anyways, that would hurt. It would yeah. be hard to yeah. hold on. 
I'm doing the mind yeah. motions of holding and driving. I don't know. It's hard. All of it. And I don't I don't see Xander as being a good driver. No. So like, because yeah. he was fucking reckless. Yeah. I mean, but we've never I seen him drive a car before. That was such show. a fun moment, though, because he's like, he's having his badass moment and then the guy's head gets popped oh, off and you're like, oh, what a Xander moment. Of course you'd fuck this up, Xander. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was totally going to tell you everything you needed to know. Oh, I just have to go to the school. Yeah. I'll ask Giles. He'll know. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was fun. <laughs> Damn. Oh, uh, I know we're going to get to our watches soon, and I know our Anya watch just ended, but when fucking Faith shoves that sword in at the very in the very first scene and kills that, I don't know what they are. They're like orc, elf, goblins. They're the sisters of Jack. Whatever. Of when when she rams that sword, that was almost a, sh- a direct Anya Oh, yeah, killed in shot. selfless man. Same shot, same mm-hmm. sword thing. Just boom, right in. Yeah. And I was like, ah. And then I was like, where's Anya? <laughs> so the Anya watched. I don't know if we restart it. We'll restart it now. No, Anya's not in this episode. Not I can't wait. Land. I can't wait. Why is that car so fucking big? I mean, I know it was the 50s, but Jesus fucking Christ, that car is gigantic. Does that not bother anybody else? The car is too big. Also, Katie is too big. But we, at least we talk about that on the show. The important thing is, is that we're all right and we can work this out like two reasonable frontiersmen. <laughs> That's all I got. That's my hot commentary coming in with. Uh... Wise words unbeknownst to the writers at the time for the upcoming reboot. And, you know, with the pain and then the death, maybe you shouldn't be leaping into the fray like that. Maybe you should be fray adjacent. Jimmy Olsen jokes all over the place. Do you remember the time that we watched Superman 1, 2, 3, 4, A Quest for Justice? Barely. Do you remember Nuclear Man? Yes. Okay. He was powered by the sun. He was powered by the sun. And then we had evil Superman as well. Right. I renewed my Twitter after years of inactivity to live tweet. Back in the day before threads, before (laughs) 140 characters, I still have the live tweet. I think of Superman 2. Man, that was some good watching. In this episode, we get two Sunnydale first responders. We get a cop just wandering around. And Buffy's like, the ambulance is on its way to (laughs) Willie. I was like, holy shit. You know, Mayor Wilkins is turning this place around. Like, I don't know if we should be so Never shitty. Never again. <laughs> That's right. Never again. He's, right. he's also on top of that um, sewer problem, you know? That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's making no. changes, and they're positive. <laughs> he potentially has been mayor for a long time. Yeah, like, We don't I think know what his tenure I know. is. We don't. But so he's, he's really, just now getting around. I think maybe it's, this is the ramp up to him leaving office permanently. Uh, oh. He's like, oh, I need to get this shit done. Don't say he's not running again. I- and it doesn't look good. <laughs> okay, my last one. I like that in the end, even though we don't really see all the best parts about the them fighting the apocalypse, you see Buffy really beat the fuck up. And you rarely oh, yeah. see her bruise. And when we watched that episode where her and Faith fought, Kelly made a really big deal. Like, you know, Faith's jaw is all messed oh, up yeah. and Buffy has a black eye because, like, they, the Slayers are really beating place. the crap yeah. out of each other. And so for Buffy's arm to be in a sling... Yeah, they like, got fucked up. They really had a rough time fighting this, like, possibly worst thing they've ever faced and we don't actually know all what happened. And that's so good, <laughs> right? So like, good. God, love it. <laughs> Daniel? Uh, is, it. Uh, when Xander <laughs> says, is it hard to play guitar... And Oz says, not the way I play it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He doesn't play it. That's the joke. That was one of the things where I was like, writers, you know what to do. I like that we learn that, uh, and you're not going to like this for continuity, but we hear about the flugelhorn uh, Mm. that that Xander played. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, flugelhorns are cool. But in the pack, Xander is judged enough of, he has enough of an ear for the music that the exact quote in the pack was, hey, Xander. You've heard Wretched Refuse play. What do you think of the guy who plays lead? 
you wouldn't ask that question to somebody not versed in guitars. Yeah. How Xander then asks, is it hard to play guitar? How do I square these two bits of information? Why is someone asking Xander about Wretched Refuse? That's probably a fucking metal band. Yeah. Slaying it. How does what am have, I supposed to do? How is he then like, Oz, what's a guitar? What's a guitar? And also you said later, there's a guitar in his bedroom. Yep. And all he ever wanted to do was play guitar. And it makes no sense that somebody of his age would not play guitar. Uh, why, what the fuck Especially else is he doing? So, being so interested in, in music like that and being a sad boy. Yeah. He wants it. I mean, you're clearly not working on skills to help your Slayer friends, so... And skills to help your life in general. (laughs) Why the fuck didn't Jack kick Xander's ass after the bomb was defused? Why didn't he just stand there and take it? Like, this guy's supposed to be super mas macho, you know, you can't fucking tell me what to do, so he defuses the bomb so everything's fine. Why not then just beat the shit out of Xander? True. Instead of just, like, stand there sad and let Oz eat you. I don't understand why that happened. It was tough. He was really emasculated in that moment. Oh my god, that I moment got when Oz was like, I feel weirdly full. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, oh! Yeah. I just love there was like one little beat, but nobody but us were supposed to react. And it just continues on. Uh, walking into school, Buffy had a fur coat on. I yep. mean, that was a pretty classic look. I enjoyed that. Um, Willow, however, rocking the PJs and the sweatshirt with the pink shirt. Yep. Now, at first I was like, oh. Occasionally, I'm callous and strange. Those are definitely like um, some kind of uh, some kind of gene fabric. No, they're absolutely PJ pants. One hundred percent PJs yeah. because later that night when she's fighting Oz and tranquilizing him, she's wearing the same outfit. So that's a whole day's worth. And in that shot where they're walking into school, some people have short sleeve shirts, some people have sweatshirts, some people have coats. What is the weather? I mean, Sunnydale lives in a weather paradox. But as far as Willow wearing pajamas, I think it's supposed to be a nod to she was watching Oz all night the night before and is oh, going to get like and we've even had that moment with Xander too on screen when he was on on Oswatch okay. in Beauty and the Beast and he's still wearing the same like PJ mm-hmm. type stuff the next day in school yeah but they like tag one another out and she like showed up with it well she only left that night because she had to go to studying that's why otherwise she would have been in because you can't study in a library nope not in a library where the books are and the computers presumably <laughs> and they need to presumably. stay awake to watch your werewolf boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> might as well make someone else stay awake and do that <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine. The, the shaking is, is a side effect of the fear. Oh, yeah. Why does the tentacle monster also come with a fucking strobe light? Mm. What is... Is that coming from beneath? Within? Like, why is there lightning strobe light? I guess just because evil Hell. brings lightning. Do you Hell. think the bad eggs, uh, Mama... Bezor. Bezor. Yeah. Ever hung out with... Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I ship them. Yeah. Definitely, because they're both down in the in the hell mouth, right? I mean, I guess the Mama Bezor is not so much in the hell mouth. Yeah, she's just, just like there. in the bowels of the school. Yeah. But surely, they must have some kind of contact. Your egg isn't acting odd or anything. It isn't acting anything. It's an egg, Buffy. It doesn't emote. What did we ever do with that? Do with what? Her corpse. I assume just fill in the hole with concrete. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably where they are right there with the bomb. Yeah. Number one, great shot of the Albert Mausoleum. I haven't oh, yeah. seen that guy in a long time. Albert. It's a staple. Uh, Richard Albert from Lost. Oh, Jesus Christ. We're making up our Lost time. Oh, uh, you did it again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, shout out to all the bit players in the drama. We talked about them a little bit. But we got Lysette. She was willing to get into a stranger's 57 Chevy Bel Air, 238 CDI, solid lifter, fuel-injected V8, but was bored at the knife play and the mortal danger and just ran away. We never see her again. What a weird fucking character. I know. Gotta say. Uh, shout out to Dave Peck. Thunderbird engine completely tricked out, but the upholstery was shot. Uh, my friend Mike, not the Mike with the Mercedes, but the Mike with the Mustang, that 82 V6, you know what I mean? Shout out to the dead boys. Famous. Jack O'Toole, played by Shannon Rowe. 
uh, of Katie the Knife fame. And also right. one of my favorite quotes, you can work, we can work this out like two reasonable frontiersmen. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. Um, Bob, Michael Cudlitz, Abraham, and uh, The Walking Dead. What is the... Who's Deanna? Who's Deanna? All he wants is all the eps from Walker, Texas Ranger. That's all he wants. It's a real simple life this guy has. Shout out to Parker, who is the one who gets his head knocked mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. played by Darren Hames, and Dickie, who all he wanted just to, to do is just make a cake, and that's Scott Torrance. Hey, they're not baking any cake. They were great. Uh, I assume that that's probably what the Emmy nomination was for, was their makeup was really great. Oh, yeah, they all absolutely. looked mm-hmm. different, uh, and they all looked really great, and they moved well. Yeah. Which is really didn't cool. For, like, it felt like they were really zombies, if you know you could believe such a thing. Yeah. But then, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. And, and then finally, we got our watches. Uh, Xander, button-down tank top watch. <sighs> he had some rough stuff going. He had like a weird collared shirt coming through and then like a sweater over it. Hey, but that's a classic see- look. I know, but you should have talked that shit in. But yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, no, that's a 90s look. I mean, it was bad. I liked his sweater at the end. He looked just sensible. Mm -hmm. It's still, it's still good to wear that 20 years later, Xander. Sweater and jeans. Sweater and jeans. Classic. Maroon jacket. Man, when does this thing start? Giles being mean to Oz. Graduation day part two. Really? That late? Wow. Yes. Giles being mean to Oz. No. I mean, if you count... Like struggling bodily, hauling him away, which I should have said that. That was such a fucking risky move for for Giles to get that close to him. One little scratch, my friend, and we got Werewolf Giles. So, (laughs) Which would be awesome. Careless. Uh, I liked when, uh, in our heightened versions of ourselves, when um, Oz walks in and, and Giles is like, you're late. And he's like, you know me. Like, what? Who, who is writing this dialogue? It's amazing. So no, I don't think anyone was mad. Wesley Watch. No. Not yet. Devin Watch, we did go to the bronze. There was a band playing. Yeah. But Not he, Oz is a werewolf. He is. So you got to think he's got a side project when Oz do is not a werewolf. Do you think Oz told? I, Devin, what does Devin need to know? I think Devin, I think Devin would know. Yeah. And he would keep it quiet. Look, man, three days a month I can't hang out. Buffy Bang Watch. So they... Are still there, obviously. They didn't go anywhere. They're trying Just to let her out. Charity. But yeah, in the crimped scene, you could really tell them they were still chunked out to the side. So that Man. was all. They were, they were peeking through. Just never going to change. Deputy Mayor Alan Finch, watch. Ooh, his days are numbered. Bad girls, bad girls. Time? What you going to do? <laughs> his episodes are numbered. Yes. And uh, the in, in that he's only 14. been on three episodes <laughs> and never forget, apparently, Deputy Mayor Alan Finch. Streets ahead. No, no, there's no confirmed streets, but... Lots of driving. Yeah, so the, uh, the hardware store and the magic box are on Maple. Uncle Bob's magic cabinet, which we see in clear view when Willow tells Xander that she loves All her and walks away. Correct. That's on Maple, right? Yes. Okay. Um, there is also a street that Xander speeds through where he kills Dickie and then also drives through to hit the person to save Faith. That shot where where it was like killed, a tennis court or something. It was the same. Yeah. It was the same road. He drove okay. down that twice. Uh, the one where Dicky got his head right, chopped right. off, and they're running after him because there is that no entry sign. Okay. And uh, he he took that turn before, and then killed the thing, and then had sex with Faith. And then when he went back around the second time, he did the same thing. So huh. I don't know what road that is, but that's a road we have never seen before. But yeah, it was in like a weird residential spot, and it had a park. It was yeah. like right after a park. So there is a new road out there that we don't know of. And then Giles was not knocked out, so there's no KO. Number one is still Gwen Post. Being I know. Legend. We'll see. I mean, presumably he did get the shit beat out of him by that monster off screen, but I can't confirm that <laughs> can't he confirm. was unconscious. Oh, I wonder if he loses. No, uh, fucking Angel was apparently. But, yeah, but it was... Uh, He's okay, though. Yeah. 
Thank God. Okay. Well, I think it's about time that we tell you where to find us. And that would be at BeatMePod everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, BeatMePod. We have even a website if you're interested, BeatMePod.wordpress.com. And we also have a playlist that contains all the songs that are played during every episode of Buffy and any songs that might be played during our episodes of this podcast. And guess what? You can find both on Spotify at BeatMe-Funtime playlist for podcast fan season three. Now what you really are waiting for. Let's rank the sucker. You weren't expecting that. <laughs> I'm excited. This is my favorite part. Willow hacks slash we're talking about the net slash something witchy this way comes to get an eight. While most of the action happens off screen, the very first thing we open on is Willow doing a spell to save our buds. Oh, yes. So that's some magic shit. Obviously we're doing some tentacle monster magic when we catch up with Giles and Willow lighting candles and stuff. So I give it an eight. But then Giles says, no, you can't do the spell. I'm here to protect you, which Don't is something worry. Giles would never... I mean, that was such a weird moment, too. She'll never get into black magic. No. Giles, I gave him a 10. Now, again, as mm. we just said, we can't confirm he was not unconscious, but I, with the exception of the fleece, the out-of-character fucking fleece <laughs> jacket we're wearing in the first scene, I don't know where that came from. Every other time he's donning a three-piece suit. Well, one time there was no best, but classic Giles stuff. He knows all the answers. Giles. He's very concerned about the apocalypse. I mean... I think Buffy, the, the very melodramatic line of, that was the bravest thing I've ever seen, is a testament to whatever Giles did. It was fucking great. So he gets a 10. And the stupidest, he confirms, he probably got his ass knocked out. Yes. For sure. Joyce, thanks for not showing up. Oh, man. Five Couldn't out of 10. be better. <laughs> Monster Week, I only gave a seven. Jackal Tool is really one-dimensional. He is like the prototypical fucking, I'm a school bully and I'm a jerk face psycho guy. But the zombie makeup, as we mentioned, is on point and they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the tentacle monsters and the sisterhood of the Jay is, I mean, they're look cool too. The, the demons are pretty neat. I guess. So, I mean, that's why I get a, a seven. It's like, how do you judge this? Because that's not the story. And like, I don't know. So it's mostly that the zombie makeup was really cool. Yeah. And relationships, this is also a tough one to judge. We're just following around Xander. I mean, Buffy and Angel seem to be at peak Buffy and Angel, so that's good, I guess. Oh, that would be a <laughs> uh, Willow and Oz are cute in their scenes that are brief because they don't really interact with the exception of him being a werewolf, which is nice that she cares about him, so that's good. Oh, these are really basic. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard. Xander, he just wants to help his friends, and that's good. So seven, I guess. I don't know. That's where I landed. Seven well, out of ten. Sort of work something out with Cordelia. They at least talk again. Yeah. That's that's good. And episode specific, I was very torn because I think the theme of this episode is summed up in Xander simply saying, "Can I help to Buffy and Angel?" Because that's all he seems mm-hmm. to want to do is is Can I help you? I, I want to be useful. I know I'm not. Can I help? Uh, but I really think it's two of the glaze, two of the cinnamon, a couple of the cream filled, and uh, jelly. Make that four. Nine out of ten. So that's 46 nice. in total, which puts us at number three for the fucking season, which is right behind Band Candy and right above Helpless. I'm going to put the Zeppo at a shockingly high. Whoa. 33 out of 47. <laughs> <laughs> that was better than what I thought. It would be. What is your last episode as of right now? Bewitched, bothered, and bewitched. <laughs> above that is the pack. <laughs> yeah. And this I should have been that. slotted right above that. <laughs> so, my reasoning is um, like I said when you first asked me how I feel about the episode, I don't I don't like I don't like this episode. I don't like that it's Xander centric. That being said, I think that the framing of the episode is interesting. It's nice to see 
another character's perspective of what's happening. It's fun to have this B story that's really honestly irre- irrelevant be the main focus. So you get <laughs> these peeks into like what the apocalypse is, but you don't actually see the whole thing. I like that. But at the end of the day, it's Xander. But it's not as bad as the pack and bewitched, bothered, and bewildered because. In the end, he's not being a shithead. He's yeah. actually trying to fix something versus, like, being the problem. Yeah. And, like, the pack, he's eating a pig and <laughs> trying to rape Buffy. Yes. And be which bothered and bewildered, he is essentially removing the consent from all women in Sunnydale so that they True. want to have sex with him. And it's creepy and wrong. But in the Zeppo, he's like, wow, this is messed up and I need to save people. And that's uh makes this episode yeah. much better than the other two Xander centric episode so that is very i was true. looking at my list and i was like well it's i'm gonna say it's better than shows or episodes like i robot you jane reptile <laughs> yes. boy go fish <laughs> yes, yes. but then i got to the forever beloved oh, bad, bad eggs, eggs. <laughs> and i thought do i like this episode more than bad eggs uh, how can you not? and then i thought no i do not <laughs> oh my god so i would just like to say for the Amazing. record currently american stands at 31 out of 47 is killed by death. 32 out of 47 is bad eggs. And 33 out of 47 is the Zeppo. Oh, Below man. that is Revelations and and then Dead Man's Party. This is why this show is so great. <laughs> it's just, no, nothing can ever make sense. <laughs> and that's amazing. And it's totally valid. We can't fight these things till we know something about them. All right, Willow said something. A name. What was it? A bozo. Not a bozo. A bazaar. That's it. Okay. So now we look it up. In what? A book? I I went into this thinking it was going to be a masterpiece and I leave a little bit wearier than I I love I love it. I love the concept. That's really what it came down to. I don't know if I would go back and rewatch this as like a fan favorite. Like this is not a favorite episode of mine. Hmm. It's um we were talking a little bit earlier about like I don't want to take for a couple zingers waste 50 minutes of my time for a couple zingers when I could go to an episode that I know is great all the way through uh, and we lose something with that because we're not going to go and, and find enjoyable things this podcast is basically you have to relive all the episodes so going through the Zeppo I realized that I really enjoy it but I don't it's not like hush it's not like right, what's more sure. with, you know feeling because I'm not going to want I don't really want to go back to this but I love that they did it and I love that it exists See, and I, I don't kinda, know where that lands. I have four episodes tied right now for at forty six points, and I put this one behind Band Candy, which was the the mm. only one in contention. And I, what it came down to was what we kind of discussed during uh, Helpless was like Helpless is great and it means a lot, but did I have more fun watching Band yeah. Candy? Sure, and that's why this actually came above Helpless too. Is like I had more fun watching this, so it's interesting yeah. that you're like I don't know that I would go back because I think I laughed out loud still watching this fucking episode because it's so much fun. But yeah, I get well, your point. Uh, on the scope of it all, this is this that you will see in the rankings. This is better than than right, almost sure. anything else. But but it's still I don't think I would like. Let's fire up the Zippo yeah. and hang out. Yeah, if it's you're gonna really if, you have, if you have episode. one episode to show somebody of Buffy the Vampire, so, but you also but it, it would be, be rewarding one of them, for this one. I don't know. Okay, so I, the reason why I love this episode is that it does what good Buffy episodes do does. It creates a plan and it executes it. It introduces new characters that we'll never see again and it makes you care about them because sometimes you don't. I know Jack O'Toole is a tool but I cared about the guy. I was like, man, this is interesting. When he showed his scars that he was killed as well, I was genuinely in shocked. In a drive-by in Sunnydale. <laughs> fucking amazing. What There's the so fuck much world are we going hey, on. 
As we learned in the very first episode of the show, the bad side of town is about a block away from the good side of town. He <laughs> <laughs> was on the wrong side of the street. The wrong side of Sycamore. Oh God. You stay here and keep the motor running. Uh, this time of night, I'm pretty sure nothing's open. But they're always open for crime. Uh, the sociological reasons uh, in, in, in fascinate me. How do people hate this episode? Why? Yeah. Um, misreading it is amazing. It got me thinking a lot about we're tw- exactly 20 years from the month of The Sopranos coming out. And everybody's writing up these pieces about The Sopranos. I've watched The Sopranos. I don't know if you guys I have. I watched uh, quite a few episodes, but not the whole thing. Yeah. And so obviously people are doing these like, what's TV like 20 years later? And I think. Hey, like us. Like us. But I think the, cur- <laughs> the currents of TV, it's, it's important. It did, this didn't come out of nowhere. It's had an outsized influence, you know, especially with like 13 episode seasons or a thing. Right. This kind of started it. But it also did something interesting that we, we talk about uh, in, in the current context, which is like people like Tony Soprano are bad. Mm-hmm. And when you're like, I just want Buffy, I want Buffy to smash things and you don't really care about anyone else. I think you're watching the show wrong. It's like Walter White watching him to like be a monster is not the right way to watch it. And David Chase, who wrote The Sopranos, actively hated fans and got mad at them for for wanting Tony to be a monster and a killer. And in the end, we don't know if Tony dies or not as a big fuck you to everybody. You don't get to know. Because in the end, you want him to die for all the bad things you loved him doing. Well, you get no closure. Fuck you. And I think that's fucking rad. But there's an episode in there called The Pine Barrens that that could be a Zeppo episode. Uh, Two of our main main characters, Polly and Christopher, they accidentally kill a Russian mobster Put it, or they think they do, put him in, uh, into a carpet, put him in the back of a van. They head off. They're going to throw him in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. And Christopher wants to stop to get Roy Rogers, but he's like, nah, we're going to drop this body off. Then we'll go get food. When they open up the car, the Russian guy, he's naked, runs off, just runs off into the woods. And they spend the whole episode in the snow trying to find this character. Hmm. And this is, people consider this the best episode. They never find him. He's never a part of the show again. Spoiler alert. He's never a character. He's just a mysterious outlier out there in the world. And I think mystery sometimes is hard. Some of these shows sometimes can just exist. And we have these fun, mysterious circumstances. And Lisette is a character who's born and bred in Sunnydale (laughs) and exists. She's interacted with other people. It's fascinating. And so I think it's cool that there are a lot of... I think that people are probably in their heads saying, there's a ton of examples like this. And I think it's hard to pinpoint why the Zeppo is so great. And hopefully we've done an okay job. But I think, I don't know if we have. No, you know, I, I think, think it's ambiguous. It but I ambiguous. think under the, the cloud of, if we can, cons- like, what you just described the Soprano episode, that could be a Zeppo episode, right? Because yeah. they're clearly not Tony, but yeah. they are, like, main enough characters. Main enough characters, yeah. for sure. And they, def- and they get their due and they move on. Absolutely. And I think what it comes down to is, like, it's another, it's another thing of where Buffy's going to go. I think that it does things with, a lot of the episodes are, like, high concept. And some of them are... Um, really emotionally driven shows. You know, we get shows like Bother Be Witch, Bewildered, Band Candy, Fear Itself, Hush, Something Blue, Buff- Buffy versus Dracula. Yes. Those are basically concepts. Wouldn't it be cool if we have Dracula? I fucking love it. And then there's emotional episodes. I, I consider the Zeppo, because of that search, uh, somewhat of an emotional episode. But then there's like stuff like Triangle is one that was, because I was trying to think of the one where it's like Anya and, and Willow yeah, are having I a love thing. that one too. And that's all built on just emotions about somebody. Uh, Forever, obviously, is like a gut-wrenching episode. Restless, I think, with the dreams. You're dealing with people's inner inner thoughts. But I think the episodes that are really great are the ones that toe the line. That's why we think of Once More, The Gift, The Body. You know, there wouldn't it be cool if Joyce died? But it's also like, what the fuck would happen if Joyce died? Right. And I think when the show toes the line, it's 
one of the best shows on that's ever been on television. Okay, soliloquy girl. I just wanted to ask about your egg. And so I think it's fun going forward to kind of think about like, how did the writers write it? Did they just think this is a cool idea and then they just kind of wrote a kind of silly story around it? Or did they actually think about how integral this was? Because season two felt like you could strip off a lot of its parts and sure. have a, a coherent story. But uh, season three has not felt that way at all. I feel yeah. like every every episode is really moving into the next very nicely. It and has felt a lot like a lot of the concepts for episodes started with what if we what if i know i know and, and i think the body is nothing more than what if we just killed joyce what uh, oh yeah well okay all right let's let's roll the dice here joss you want this one ah damn it i guess so let me just pen this brilliant episode um and in a spot where it would be great if xander became a better person i'm i'm gonna put this at number eight this is number eight. Damn, this is the highest one you've been. This is, yeah. The band candy is number, I think, 12. Uh, and the Bother Bewitch Be Well, there's 29, I think. So that's no! my, that's my so far. I think I had this in the top five before. I was much more enamored five years ago than I am right now. I, th- I thought that I always wanted to rewatch this episode, and now I realize I don't know. I kind of like it as just a, a piece. Wow, you guys are weird. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, bad eggs above this. You're the weird one. I just have, I don't know what it is, but I just have a special place in my heart for bad eggs. No go. Uh, no, no, you didn't go, or, or, or you were unsuccessful. No gorgeous. Apparently, Buffy has decided the problem with the English language is all those pesky words. You, angel, big, smoochies. Shut up. It's it's true, Buffy. You and Willow do seem a little sluggish. Are you quite sure everything's all right? Maybe something we ate. Or perhaps it's the burden of parenthood. Notice how seriously you two have taken this egg thing. Well, I, in turn, have, uh, well, chosen a more balanced approach. Great. Bye. Hey. Bye. Holy shit. Thank you for listening. We will see you in two weeks. That is correct. Two weeks for Bad Girls, episode 14, on February 9th. Stacia, say goodbye. Bye. Daniel, say goodbye. Goodbye. Gosh, goodbye. Got no place to go. I'm tired of walking up and down the street all by myself. No love left for me to give. I try and try, but no one wants me the way I am. Why should I pretend I like to roam from door to door? Maybe I'll just kill myself. I just don't care no more. Because I'm not satisfied. Everything I've tried, I don't like the way life has been. S-E-X. Sex.